Welcome to the Seth Campbell podcast. This show is to equip you with real world tactics that improve your leadership skills, build your wealth, and cause you to leave a multi-generational impact on your world. This is episode 23, Navigating the Four Stages of Training. Credited to Gordon Training International back in the 1970s and since adopted by many large corporations over the years, it is critical for us to understand this four stages of training model as a requirement to scaling an organization. You've probably heard these before and seen these somewhere along your path. And I'm hoping today to give you a little bit of a deeper insight specific to the case of being stuck on your way to scale or preparing yourself for scaling your organization. Let's go through this and you'll be able to apply this to creating real scalable teams and organizations right away. Let me give you a brief overview of these four stages. And like I said, you'll probably recognize some of these. Stage one is called unconscious incompetence. It's otherwise known as, okay, I don't know what I don't know. It's unconscious incompetence. I don't know what I don't know. Stage two is conscious incompetence. Now I have some awareness that there's something I didn't know. It's an aha moment. Stage three is conscious competence. Now I know and I'm doing it. Stage four, the final one, is unconscious competence. I just do it without thinking. It's like muscle memory. Now let's put this in the context of scaling, just in case you've heard this before, but yet haven't thought through it where you may be stuck in your organization because it's actually a primary blockage, particularly for industries I've seen that are very trade-related. That would be lawyers, realtors, health professional, construction, things like that. And what I mean by trade-related, you get that probably in construction where, you know, woodworking is, a, is known as a trade. Yet some of these other professional organizations, what I mean by that is if you go back to the learning model inside of those, those worlds, whether it's lawyers, realtors, health professionals, things like that, there's a whole bunch of shadowing hours. There's a lot of, let me train you up. I work with somebody who's more senior. If I'm in the health professional world, there's, there's many hours of shadowing along doctors or nurses that are a level or two above. And that's part of the requirement. I, I remember speaking to a lawyer friend of mine. And when I was asking him, this was many years ago, like we're going back and forth with another side about a legal document. And I noticed how the other side kept a red line in the document and wanted to change the language. It essentially said the same thing that our documents send, yet just stated it in different words. And I was like, are they doing that just to like charge their client more money to say that they changed something? He's like, no, the attorneys tip are, are very trade related. In other words, you tend to shadow somebody or your professor or whoever it was, or you worked in a law firm as you worked your way up that kind of had their own way of wording and they just prefer that wording and that's what transfers down. So, so many times lawyers, even when they agree on a general concept of a contract are, are, in, are putting their own little flavor of pref or preference on how they like things worded. And it really made me understand how many industries really are this kind of buddy system of let me show you the way and it works really well. The challenge is it's very difficult to scale when you do that because it's very hard to scale a unified way of doing something, as you can imagine, when there's so many unique preferences. This is how I like to diagnose. This is how I take people through it. This is, these are my sales scripts. This is how I like to navigate that. So 
when we look at the concept of these four stages, you can see that if I'm attempting to scale an organization, particularly one that is very trade related in its training techniques, then it's going to be very difficult. So I'll give you a, a shortcut right off the bat. And you're going to want to circle this in your notes or in the study guide that you get from SethCampbell.com. The goal, just right to it, the goal for training is to train to stage three. The goal for training is to train to stage three. So circle that in your notes, stage three. And that's where we're going to train towards. Stage four, by the way, is going to be your key to dominating in the marketplace, your marketplace. Stage two, by the way, is actually going to be the key to attracting the best talent. And I'll explain that as we dive deep into them. Before we dive deep, let me give you like a quick overview example, like the way I like to train this really fast on how these stages really work and what they are. I like to use like a car driving example. So if we started with stage one, it would be like, remember stage one is, I don't know what I don't know. It's unconscious incompetence. So on the radar, that would be like my child as a little kid and I'm driving and he or she is watching me drive and, and understands we're in a car and understands we're driving, but has no idea what I'm looking at on the dials, has no idea what the pedals necessarily are for, what the road signs mean. They just don't know what they don't know. There's a whole world of driving laws and driving rules and techniques that, that they're not even paying attention to, let alone know what they mean. That would be like unconscious incompetence. Now, stage two is that aha moment. It's, it's really the key to awareness. It's conscious incompetence. Oh, now I know what I don't know. Or now I know there's a whole bunch of stuff that I had no idea. I like to think in the world of the driving example, that would be like when you get to driver's education or you get that class or that book or that online thing, and they start hitting you with all the, the double yellow line means this, and the single plus the dash is this, and then this sign means this, and then this is the right away. And then when you can turn on red, unless there's a sign that says you can't turn, suddenly you start learning all these things. And you're like, oh, wow, there's a whole world I didn't know. I need to like learn this if it's important to me and, and absorb it. And that's just like that first moment of, oh, wow, there's stuff that I didn't know. That's stage two. Now, if I took the car driving example to stage three, conscious competence, which is now I know and I'm doing it, that is not yet mastery. That's just, I'm just doing it. And probably in my head, I'm constantly keeping on track. That would be like those early driving years or maybe during driver training where you're like, ooh, and oh yeah, keep looking this way. Don't forget to check my mirrors. Oh, I need to do this. You know, that voice in your head or the instructor next to you constantly correcting saying, oh, what about this? What about that? Don't forget that. And your mind is like super observant, a little overwhelmed, completely learning all of these steps so that you can get to a point of actually performing well, but you're still in this like piecing it together, practicing through it getting better. That is stage three. And remember I said, like our goal is to train to that. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Now, stage four, the final stage is unconscious competence. That would be fast forward. You've been driving a long time, one hand on the wheel, leaning back, maybe use a turn signal or not. I don't know. Like either way you've mastered, I didn't mean to bring my own driving habits into this. Sorry. Maybe you've gotten to the point of mastery 
where a lot of driving is muscle memory. You, you actually did learn all the rules. You do look at the signs. You do read them mostly, yet you don't consciously process it. You just kind of know, oh, and, oh, the speed limit just changed. Okay, there's that. There's no, can't turn on red sign here, so I'm just going to turn on red. You just navigate through that process, and you're deeper into mastery, have your 10,000 hours down. Now you've got this muscle memory, unconscious competence. So if we dive deeper into that, I'll break down exactly how to deploy this organization, what to watch out for, and how to specifically use this. And I promise you, even if you've done this before and know this, even teach it, you're going to walk away with a couple of ahas here. So let's break it down. Deep diving into stage one, unconscious incompetence. I don't know what I don't know. By the way, just advice for you first. You should keep this on things that are not related to your goals. Just as my advice to you, have some level of peace. Be totally fine with keeping yourself in stage one personally on things that are not related to your goal. So if golfing doesn't show up on your long-term goal plan, then just be okay not knowing anything about a lot of golf. And when you go to the you know top golf with your friends or whatever, just learn enough to have fun, but don't obsess over trying to learn everything. Like it, your brain is only gonna be able to handle so many things that you wanna to work towards mastery. My advice to you, is do not get to conscious incompetence or stage three on a bunch of things that are irrelevant to your goals. Instead, work towards mastering the things that matter most to you, that are most important to you. Now, as a leader and as an individual or as an individual who uh, chooses to want to grow inside your organization or your field or the ladder, so to speak, you really need to keep up your speed on your expertise. Like I was reading a book here, and for those of you that are going to watch this on YouTube, I'll hold it up. It's uh, Tony Robbins' new book, Life Force. And having invested in an integrative health clinic and being like probably a part-time or full-time on-the-side biohacker myself, it's a great book for me to read. Yet I want to point out one thing that, that he says right at the beginning on some of the research. He was talking about how in the medical community, it's a lot like what we saw in the technology world and it still continues where the speed of technology is doubling every 18 months or so in transistor size. So that's why technology can become obsolete so fast, tough to keep up on. Same things happening in the medical field. And I say this to you because the same things happen, I think, in most every field because we're moving out of the industrial, uh, or I'm sorry, the information age and into this you know crazy world of automation and uh, artificial intelligence and whatnot. Like for example, he says in here, something like 800 or 83 years worth of videos are updated every day to YouTube. So just give an idea of how much knowledge or information, I don't know that I'd call all that knowledge, how much information is coming out in real time. Anyway, specific to the medical field, they were taught, they did a Harvard Medical School, did a, a study on how fast the medical industry is evolving from when somebody graduates and becomes a doctor. And it used to be like seven years until your knowledge of when you first became a doctor became somewhat irrelevant or outdated and you needed a refresher. In 2017, so it's called like the half-life of medical knowledge when it becomes like irrelevant and you need to be updated. In 2017, it was down to between 18 and 24 months. So just think about that. A doctor Within 18 to 24 months, everything they learn in medical school, almost everything, is somewhat irrelevant because the industry has evolved that quickly. 
by 2022, which is when I'm recording this, it's headed for 73 days. The half-life on medical information, 73 days. So just pause on that for a second. Graduate after, what, 12 years of school? And your knowledge is somewhat outdated, if not fully outdated within every 73 days. So your industry may not be growing that fast. There's so much money being poured into private health and integrative medicine and futuristic stuff. Yet that's happening to a lot of our industries. So if you're in one of those worlds that is getting disrupted, that has a ton of money being pumped into it for advancement and breakthrough, how do you keep your own profession yourself from not getting into stage one? I don't know what I don't know. How do you do that? So that's just advice to you. Like you've got to, here's an action step. How will I stay up to date on my profession? Am I going to set up RSS news feeds custom to my industry? Do I need to join some more peer groups? Do I need to get some coaches that are going to keep me up to date on inside my industry? Like how will I keep myself from doing that? Because the worst thing that could happen, I, I think we're going to start experiencing if I kept going with the medical example, where we'll have patients coming in saying to their doctor, Hey, I I'm really interested in this. I think this may be helpful. And the doctors may still be in the old world of every seven years and just say, Oh, that's hocus pocus stuff. That's not real. And it may be completely real and viable. They just haven't maybe kept themselves up. So we're going to, it's going to get real dangerous for professionals that are not keeping themselves constantly out of stage one. That's like a side tip for you as a leader to get yourself into stage two. So let's break down stage two, conscious incompetence. Now I have this awareness that I didn't know something. And, and awareness is the name of the game here. Write that word down. Awareness is the name of the game for stage two. So you've got to have these formal methods of bringing awareness to your people inside your organization. And the best way to do that, it should be ongoing and part of your training program Think about this. The best way to do that, in my opinion, in my observation, is to start with big picture on each training. So what is each training? It could be a very formal training class. It could be a video that we've done. It could be just our weekly meeting. It could be something like that. Anytime I'm going to convey or transfer information that I'm hoping will cause the other person to either perform differently or do a task differently or better. I'm going to start with big picture. And this is a, is a missing piece to a lot of where organizations get stuck inside this process. And the bigger picture is, Hey, here's why we do it this way, or here's why we want to start doing this way, or here's why we're going to focus on this, the why here's the problem that it solves going big picture. Here's the bigger reason behind why we do it this way. So it's really about focusing on the why way too often people and organizations just train on the what when companies have entered this kind of pre-scale mode and they just train what in a belief, I think that they're going to move fast. We shouldn't explain why or go big picture all the time. And we just need to train them just on this task. And what happens is when organizations start to grow and they enter this pre-scale, they start to have conflict because they have a number of people that kind of do it their way, which may actually, by the way, be better for a specific task yet not connect with the bigger why. For example, and it could have unintended consequences that block. A great example I see all the time is like a salesperson, maybe your top salesperson who crushes their prospecting calls. 
but won't use the trackable phone system because it slows them down. It takes too long. There's too many clicks to get to access it. And that would be somebody who was trained on how to prospect, not given the full why. They may have been trained on how to use the phone system, but they weren't given the full why behind it of the bigger picture. So now that individual is going to be very difficult to scale because I don't know how, it, it, as that spreads around, I'm not really sure what our numbers are. I don't know what script is working best. I don't have the data I need as things change and evolve to be able to take that person's expertise and apply it to scale. And that's a very common thing inside of organizations. So every time you go to teach something inside your organization, Take a moment to cover the big picture. Start at the top. Hey, we're, here's our mission. Here's what we're out to do. Here's why we want to use this system. Because if we don't, I know that it's going to take a few extra steps, but if we don't, here's all the things that we're going to lose downstream, us and you. We're not going to be able to give you advice. You may find yourself succeeding now. And then at the moment things change, we don't have the data to tell you what to improve because you didn't use the system and everybody else passes you up because we make a few little tweaks inside of their process because we had their data and they scaled right past you. So remember how, re remember that the why is key to this. Now, the other part is I slipped something in earlier as a sidebar. Remember how I said that stage two? Conscious incompetence is actually a key to attracting big talent. Let me hit that really quick before we move to stage three. As a leader of an organization, understand that the most talented people in your industry probably already know exactly what to do. They probably and shouldn't need you to succeed. And what it is as a leader, you want to bring in the most talented folks because you actually do need them to succeed. Success is not as much created as it is latching on to those who are already successful and being part of what they're going to build next year without you. When you get to that, that place as a leader, really start to humble yourself and understand that as a business leader, my job is not ever going to be building the greatest superstars. My job is going to be attracting the greatest superstars and helping build them together into work groups and build other parts of their life that maybe are missing and helping them find their place, so to speak. Because a lot of times they're misunderstood as renegade talent. Now, how I do that is actually by being really good at creating ahas. So whenever you're in front of a highly talented individual, the one that kind of makes you a little nervous or you're teaching a class and they're in the room and you really are interested in attracting them as talented organization, one of the top things you could do is cause them to go from stage one to stage two, cause them to go from now from unconscious incompetence. I don't know what I don't know to like, oh crap, there's stuff I don't know. And it, money, it could be about the thing that the bad habit they have, like your arrogance or whatever, that, that nobody else has had the opportunity to tell them. And then you hit them right between the eyes with it, or you ask them a question they can't answer. And you take them to this, the moment you do that and you give a top talent person an aha, oh man. And, and you got to do it from a humble place because if you come across with arrogance, then their guard will go up. If you do it from a humble place because you care about them, the moment they hit stage two with you of like, oh, wow, this person 
just ask me a question nobody else asked me. This person, they know something I don't know. They're, they just gave me an aha about my life, about my pattern, about my language, about how I'm showing up. They called me out on something with love that I never even thought of, or if I did, I tried to ignore. There's something about this individual that I would like to have more time with them. And that's how you begin the process of bringing that person into your world. So just remember that your ability to take people from stage one to stage two is going to be very big on attracting major talent. Another reason why you want to keep up on your industry or on life out of stage one for yourself. Now let's jump to stage three and deep dive on that conscious competence. Now I know, and I'm doing it. So remember, this is the target training zone. How do you get there? It's got to be written, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, the learning styles of people. So I've got a written training plan. I've got videos or visuals, pictures up of step one, step two, step three, step four. I've got auditory so they can listen to it. And kinesthetic is built in while we're going to practice. Now, the first thing is you would you break this down into a couple of micro stages. The, the first step is watch perfection. And I actually prefer that to be on video if possible, no matter what the industry is. So they should watch a perfect example and they may never get to perfection yet. There should be a, a visual with auditory of like, I observed perfection. I understand the, why it's important. I understand why, what, what problem it solves. I understand the details. So I'm not going to argue with maybe there's a better way because you taught me the, the big picture behind it and the why, but I watch perfection. And then watch me while I explain it. Watch me do it. Watch me cook the French fries while I explain. And then the next stage is I watch you. And then the last stage is you, I watch you and you teach me back how you did it. So it is watch perfection. Watch me while I explain it. I watch you put an asterisk on that. Cause we're going to come back to that. And then. I watch you while you teach it back to me in perfection and not missing anything. That would be how you'd certify somebody when they made it through all of that. You'd certify them on that station, that task, that job, whatever it may be. The most important stage inside of that is the, I watch you with rapid course correction. There is a lot of study on books from talent is overrated, the talent code, great books that study how great talent is developed. There's a chemical in the brain called myelin. It's like the gray matter. And it's actually how habits or muscle memory and mastery is created. One of the shortcuts to triggering myelin, and this works for all humans, including your children, it could be soccer, it could be piano, it could be learning math. And it could be adults, right? Learning a job is this form of deliberate and deliberate practice is very exhausting. It is really breaking down. So for example, I use piano as an example. When my 12 year old son back in, when he was, he started piano like three or four years old. I remember, um, he was, his mother learned piano enough to train him. God bless her soul. I didn't yet. I know star Wars music and he had to play a star Wars song and I, that one really well. And so I was with him when he was practicing before his recital and his little fingers, poor little guy, like couldn't hit these three notes. It was like, ding, ding. And he kept like missing that last ding and it was off. And I could hear that enough to know it was off. So I, I jumped into this form of practice and what it would be is you just separate down to that one spot where the person keeps getting stuck. 
And then I had them just do that. Ding, 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 really fast. Those three notes, ding, 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 really fast, way faster than the cadence needed. And then slow it down. Now hit it in the right speed. Okay, now start at the top and connect it together. And what happens is the brain developed myelin or muscle memory on that ding. So when he came to it, his fingers just move with the I'm having to think about it too much. If we were training on script practice, I just had time with one of my, over the, this last week in Boise, Idaho, and we were talking about script training, professional script training, like what they do in the movies. And this was for salespeople is you take a script, you break it into chunks, four or five kind of logical chunks or three. And you take one chunk, you read it super fast, as fast as you can possibly read it. Then you do that over and over again. And it's just burning it into the memory, into the brain, creating, sparking some of that myelin. Then you slow it down and read it again, add some inflection. Then you would practice and put it all together with somebody listening who interrupts you. Nope. Stop right there. You missed that word. Go back. Now repeat that sentence, not the whole thing. Repeat that sentence with the word repeating. Okay. Do it three. Okay. 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 Now you got it. Now go back to the top and put it in and then oh, stop right there. You down swung on your tonality instead of upswinging like you're supposed to. Now say that word again. Really? Okay. Now you got the upswing, right? Now say that sentence again. Don't you agree? Really? Okay. Now you got now started the whole, put it all together. Boom. See how exhausting that is and annoying. Like it should be like that because it stops the brain and it rewires. This is a shortcut to helping people really burn some of the stuff into their brain and creating that myelin. And that's how you can start the path deeper towards stage four. But this is what, this is gonna be the most effective training. So what are some of the rules in here in stage three? Because this is the most important one for you here in scaling. It's gotta be consistent across the organization and you should have a certification process. So I have this, you know, written manual, I've got videos, I've got auditory, and I've got this one-on-one -on -one training that involves with watch perfection, watch me while I explain it to you. Let me watch you and drive you crazy with, like, no, do that part again, do that part again, do that again, do it again, or say it faster, say it faster, say it faster. Okay, now say it all at once. Okay, now put it the whole thing together. Nope, you missed the word, go back, you know, boom. And then now, okay, now do it and train me as if, I'm the newbie and walk me through the why and the what and the how, and you teach it back to me. Okay. When you do that, now you're certified. So have a certification process that's that formal and that consistent across the organization. Now you can see how scaling is right around the corner and you're not going to deal with any trouble of the, the trade organization trying to do it their own way and siloing out here. Let me give you a quick time hack. If you're in a stage of success through others, like in other words, okay, I'm doing that with my people, but now I need to train. I need to make sure my leaders are doing this with their people. Here's a quick tip for you. Have them record their training sessions, have them record their one-on-ones, have them record their recruiting appointments, have them record whatever it is that you want them to get better at and record it. And then you can listen to it later and as you take notes, just say, oh, a minute, one, the 10 minutes, 42 seconds in, you said this instead of this, you missed that on nine minutes and 12 seconds in, you asked a question, they deflected and you went down the bunny trail with them instead of pulling them back and holding them accountable to the question you asked. You just give that kind of feedback and then, okay, now record it again, now record it again, do it again, do it again until my notes come back to, it's not really any feedback, you crushed it. So hopefully that helps on stage three. 
Now on stage four, the final one, unconscious competence, which is I just do it without thinking. Remember, the more people you have here, experts, mastery, the more you're going to dominate your marketplace. The more people you have here, experts, mastery, without a written and certification program from number three, the harder time you're going to have to scale. It is a double-edged sword. You do not want an organization that has a ton of entrepreneurial experts that somehow can't train. In fact, think about yourself right now. Most likely in your world, you operate at level four right now. You have muscle memory. You're the master. And when you go teach someone, it doesn't translate. I had that problem so much. I remember when I was doing sales appointments in real estate and I was going on these listing appointments and I was training up my first listing specialist. I'm like, okay, come watch me. And I did it. Okay, got signature. Okay, next one. I did 10 in a row. Then I come back and say, all right, what'd you get? And he's like, I don't know if I can do all that. Like, number one, they're all different. Number two, like you bobbed and weed. And I'm saying like, oh, it's when they said this, then I knew their brain was here. And, I went to, and I'm trying to train him like this crazy art form, forgetting driver's ed. 10 and two, here's the manual. The yellow line means this. I'm like, teach him, okay, just do this and navigate. When you see the cars go this way and you can't train to level four, it's impossible. You look like a freak of nature and demoralize the person because so much of it's muscle memory. You've probably forgotten all the steps you went through. You've probably forgotten that half the words you say are actually a script, but you've internalized them. They're so natural. So you cannot train to level four. And if you build an organization that has a number of people at level four and they're out just trying to teach their way, you're not going to scale. You're going to be in big trouble. So that's why the goal is to train to level three which must be a documented process because you will not remember all the steps. Just recognize you're probably in level four yourself on something and it doesn't work out. Final piece on stage four, final tip and advice for you is just remember, and you want to tell your people this, who think that they went from level three to level four. As you can imagine, it's probably like 10,000 hours that are between level three and level four. It's just Help them understand that 70% of learning happens in the classroom. The other 30% happens on the field. Use the sports analogy. If I'm training you on football, I can be on the whiteboard and draw the X's and O's and the circles. You can learn all these plays. That's the classroom. You got to go on the field and practice it. Why is that? Because it doesn't always work out the way it's supposed to. The X doesn't always run the way I thought they would. The O doesn't always run as fast as they're supposed to. And you need to adapt on the field. I could never possibly train you on every single scenario or part that could change. So just tell your people, get them to this place of, hey, do not become a professional student inside this organization. You'll never hit level four. Do not stay in level three before you get on the field. Level three is a blend of the classroom and the field, but you got to get on the field. 30% of training happens on the field because it can never be accounted for in the classroom. So go and implement this process in your organization today so that you can ensure a smoother path to scale for your world. As always, reach out to myself or my company at CFE Strategies. We can be of service in helping you scale. Don't forget, I've taken notes for you and created some questions and a study guide so you can implement this week. Just go to SethCampbell.com and look for the podcast show notes. As always, subscribe to our YouTube channel. See the full video recording of these podcasts. 
and join our private Facebook group, Seth Gamble Podcast, to keep the conversation going with me. Until next time, focus forward. 